0: This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by Oracle Warehouse Management Cloud, offering innovative capabilities, mobile solutions, and an easy-to-use browser interface, all at a significantly lower total cost of ownership. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the solution. But now, on to the podcast. In the age of the Omnichannel and dominant forces like Amazon.com, you have to wonder whether the traditional retailer stands a chance. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The old retailing model no longer works. There's no question about that. Today's brick-and-mortar retailer, in addition to maintaining a superior in-store experience, is expected to support any number of different sales and delivery channels, including ship from store, pickup in-store, ship direct from the supplier, and delivery to a home or business. What's more, all of those fulfillment models need to be blended into a seamless customer experience. The old way of doing business is simply misaligned with customer expectations. That's the view of my guest today, Diego Pantoja Navajas, founder of Logfire, a cloud-based warehouse management system. Last year, Logfire was acquired by Oracle, for which Diego now serves as Vice President of Product Development. Today, he'll talk about the challenge of surviving in the omnichannel universe, and he'll answer a critical question. Is there any hope for the traditional retailer? So here is my conversation with Diego Pantoja-Navajas. Diego Pantoja-Navajas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Diego, what is the plight of the traditional retailer today?
1: Traditional retailers today are facing a very difficult challenge to reorganize their supply chains. They want to make sure that they move away from a traditional supply chain where used to push products to their stores. They were not focused 100% on the consumer so, the reason today retailers are having a challenge is because those organizations build the products based on what their customers thought they were going to buy. And products were pushed to them uh, into the channels for sales. And that model in today's world is completely disaligned with the consumer expectations. And that's why the retailers are facing challenges and restructuring the retail strategy by moving the supply chains from a push-based model to a demand-driven supply chain operation. And in order to do that, the retailers are creating a more complex supply chain networks that is going to allow them to move products, buy products, and fulfill products from multiple channels or m- multiple ways to get closer to that end consumer.
0: You say that up to this time that retailers were built around the idea of pushing to the customer what they wanted them to buy, what they expected them to buy, but... Uh, to a certain extent, that's always going to be the case, is it not? I mean, you cannot forecast 100% what exactly the customer wants. You're always taking a little bit of a chance on putting something on the shelves that you think they want, but forecasts are not perfect, so that remains an issue, does it not?
1: That's a, a valid point, but I think that we need to look into, into three different ways, correct? One, retailers need to be able to expand that demand and they need to work with the different fulfillment channels that they have availability now or available today. You know, the whole concept about the customer wants to buy anywhere, fulfill it from anywhere and return anywhere. To your point about the different products that they need to push to the customers, that's gonna continue happening, but the challenge here, and I will explain that in a minute, is that there's a the time to market and the pressure And the mass customization that the retailers are having in today's world is higher than ever ever before. And the last point is the customer experience and the customer expectations when they go and visit either a store or when they are having a customer experience buying products online. That experience has to be up to the point where the customer wants to get back to that site or wants to get back to that store because great customer services or the different technology that the store is presenting to them so they can interact with their products or they customize their, their, their products the way they want it. So expanding into the first point that I mentioned in terms of the demand and fulfillment channels, it's very clear today that you know legacy supply chains need to change and, and they need to face The new technology that is available in the market. If you think about the customer now being able to buy in different ways and different to buy, and they're able to buy different products either by direct sales, partner sales, e commerce, of course, retail stores, or and kiosks. That's the way the retailers need to expand those channels. Now, The issue is that these channels in today's world are supported with multiple technologies. And that is creating issues because if the channels are not supported in a way where the information about items, inventory levels, pricing, uh, delivery lead times, and all all that information is not managed within a system across those different channels, the retailers are going to continue having an issue to be smarter in terms of how they're going to be able to move inventory across the different channels to be able to fulfill the product in a a faster and more cost-effective way for their consumers.
0: It sounds like we're talking about a situation where the retail uh, industry really has to totally reinvent itself. At least the traditional retail industry has to reinvent itself in order to survive. Is that what you're saying, basically?
1: Yes, that's correct, because these organizations need to be able to leverage all these different fulfillment models they need to reduce inventory costs they need to reduce the order lead times they need to minimize lost sales and revenue opportunities when they are not being able to meet the customer expectations correct so they need to reinvent because now it's not only the direct ship from warehouse model is pick up in the store ship from store direct from suppliers Sometimes they need to they can send the product directly from the suppliers or the or the manufacturer, and they need to be able to blend all these channels in a way that is completely seamless for the end consumer and that experience at the end of the day the consumer needs to be able to select and pick what 's the best uh, way for him or her to be able to acquire that product within any of these channels that I just mentioned before. So the retailers need to look into this model in a way where the warehouse management systems, their ERP system, uh, how they work with 3PL companies if they are going to work with them, all of them have to be very orchestrated. Otherwise, like I said before, you start creating silos in, in, in how you're going to be able to move the inventory within these multiple channels. And you're not going to be effective and you're going to be in the same situation where you are today where you are not leveraging the complete power that your supply chain logistics network will have if you are not able to orchestrate all these different processes.
0: When you talk about blending channels, I want to ask you really kind of more what you mean by that because… As far as the customer is concerned, blending, yes, but at least up to this point, in their initial foray into the Omnichannel, some traditional retailers have sought to create parallel fulfillment streams, like one way of fulfillment for sending to the stores, another way for sending to online orders. Whether or not even that happens in the same warehouse, I don't know. But I I guess that doesn't sound like a sustainable model. That just sounds too expensive and too onerous to maintain. So is it possible to truly blend channels at the fulfillment level? What does a warehouse look like that can, for instance, that can serve all of those different channels?
1: A warehouse that can help supporting all the different channels, the way it has to be Configure is as a fulfillment center. It's not a warehouse where you're storing products and just reacting to an order. Correct? We need to be able to have these facilities in a fast way, be able to react to an order. But the model where you have a huge, tremendous, one million square foot warehouse is not applicable, or is going to start fading as retailers are going to resize their models and they're going to need to. Also, make available that product from the stores. So, before we were looking in in inventory in a way where, like you said, if I was supporting an e commerce channel, my warehouse was completely separate from my warehouse that it was fulfilling my brick and mortar stores. And that type of separation, from my point of view, uh, creates additional costs, and from my point of view, those have to be combined. There's no reason why they cannot be combined. Yes, one, it does more pick unit at the order level. One of them is more batch picking because you're, you're fulfilling the store. But all those processes can be managed within one one facility.
0: And as you say, the stores become warehouses as well. They become, I mean, not literally warehouses, but they become sources of picking um, as, as well for online orders. Is that a common practice now, or will that be a common practice going forward?
1: It's becoming more and more a common practice, and we see more of that issue here in North America because how the retail industry evolved uh, here in North America were big malls, big stores. Again, the fact that we had a linear model that I explained to you before where the only way for the customer to go and get the co- the product was by Going directly to a retail store, and that was the way the typical process for a consumer to go and, and buy uh, a given product, correct? But now with e-commerce, the store, instead of having a lot of passive inventory in a store that is sitting there, taking space and taking and really increasing the cost for a retailer to carry that product in a, in a shelf, we have the opportunity here to look all that dead space. Uh, well, maybe that space is too harsh of a of a concept, but resizing those stores and making sure that you don't have to carry all that inventory on a shelf, you can replenish that inventory that you have in a back room based on demand-driven processes that are allowing you to be very driven by what the customer wants to see, not what you think the customer wants to see. We have a lot of stores that are very, very busy in terms of inventory. That's not attractive anymore. The inventory is not attracting the consumer. What is attracting the consumer is the experience within the store, correct? If you go to a sport retailer in New York City, correct? You want to make make sure that you can run, you can use the shoes, you can run, you can hit the golf ball, you can use the the soccer ball to, I don't know, for for to try uh, uh the new uh, the new cleats that are coming out, or if you want to use the the new uh, gloves that, I don't know, a wide receiver is using in the NFL, and you want to be sure that they have the latest and greatest. So is that the experience that the, the retailers need to transform those stores to experience sites instead of just carrying inventory and consuming a space that it can be used for more consumer activities that will drive them into into the store?
0: But you sacrifice selection to a certain extent, do you not, when you do that?
1: Well, from my point of view, uh, and I think this is—you you hit a really good point there. The pressure, correct here, is that the retailers need to be able to look into their product cycles and say, how now in today's world, first thing, I need to reduce the product life cycles because seasons and smaller retailers or other more type of uh, retailers are being able to produce products in a way that that they need to go through the channels in a faster way. Uh, the lifespans are shorter, yes, and the lifespans of the products have to be shorter because now in today's world, we want the, the newest and, and latest uh, short the newest and latest trend in terms of shoes, in terms of equipment, in terms of everything that is happening uh, to us around us because we have all this information. So retailers have to make sure that they have the right product and and the selection, yes, I agree with you, it has to be in a way where the user can customize that product, so the channel can support a product that in a way is kind of blend, but it can be customized by the consumer, so it, it gives them the ability to say, yes, I want that pair of sneakers, but I want them to say whatever my name, or I want them to have a specific color, or... I, I want a shirt, but I, instead of having long long sleeves, I want short sleeves. That's the interaction that the, the consumer wants. They don't want the product to be sitting there. Yes, the selection is maybe not that great, but I think there, there are companies like Uniqlo and others where if you go to one of their stores by the end of the season and you ask for a specific size and model, most likely you're not going to find that specific size and model because it's already out of stock. And they they do it really well because they're making sure that the right amount of product gets into a store. And if you don't get it, and now the pressure on you as a consumer to go and get that product before it, it gets out of stock, they are creating that demand, and that's really positive for them. And also they're creating that experience because the stores are cool, and there's a lot of interaction, and it's a great vibe. So that's the type of, um, yes, to answer your question, you're reducing the selection, but you're creating other experiences within the store that, from my point of view in today's world, are more gratifying for the consumer.
0: At the same time, you can offer more selection on the the web. The e-commerce aspect of a traditional retailer's offering... Could potentially offer more because it's not taking up retail expensive retail space. It's sticking, staying in a warehouse where it's much cheaper to inventory, right? So you have that. I would expect that the online shopper has somewhat different expectations than the walk-in shopper. The online shopper might really be put put a premium on selection, right? Exactly.
1: That's uh, uh, that's a great point, and, and and that's exactly correct. So you will have that extra inventory on the online channel and that will be available to you. So that's exactly right.
0: I guess the bottom line question, Diego, here, is that we're seeing certain stores, certain chains like Sears and Kmart and JCPenney continuing to struggle no matter what they do, even as the pure retailers like Amazon continue to thrive. And it makes me wonder whether, in fact... Is all of what we're talking about enough for the traditional retailer to survive or are we just going to have to live with the fact that some of them are going to fall by the wayside no matter what? Is, in other words, is there hope for the traditional retailer based on some of these omni-channel fulfillment strategies we're discussing?
1: I think there's hope for those retailers. I think these retailers, from my point of view, have the opportunity to reinvent themselves. Nothing is preventing them to reinvent themselves in a way they're more appealing to the end consumer. They just need to work in a way where they break that traditional model. I think actually the the traditional retailers, because they have assets than an Amazon or e-commerce retailer don't have, they have certain assets that can reduce in a smart way. They can create those stores, like I said before, they can recreate those stores to make them more focused to the consumer experience. It will be great that these retailers will be able to provide more information in terms of what product they're carrying at any time, what's available, what's the cost of that inventory that they have right now, being able to provide visibility in terms of by location what they're carrying it. So it's really until they don't break those walls or those silos, And provide that visibility to the end consumer. We love to go to Amazon because we know exactly what they're carrying. Correct? We know what it is in what is available. But now, if you translate that model into a traditional retailer and you say, buy store. By geographical area, buy store, give me that information as a user. I want to know. Uh, I want to log into my application, see what's available, at what cost. Can I compare it to others? Can I buy from there? So that's what they need to do. They need to recreate. They need to break the model. They need to resize their stores. There's no way f- and that they're going to be able to continue growing because of all the costs that they're carrying. It. So to be honest, from my point of view, is the business to consumer user experience is driving the expectation in terms of how the business-to-business application should work. So from my point of view, that business-to-consumer experience needs to be recreated from the retailers, from the traditional retailers, so they can move from the current situation to a more advanced and more customer-centric experience And, and in today's world.
0: Diego, would you trace for me, please, the history of Oracle Warehouse Management Cloud, which I believe uh, goes back to your founding of Logfire. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, we, we started the company back in 2007. We really were not very comfortable with the fact that the warehousing industry was way behind in terms of technology Everybody at that point thought that the type of solutions in terms of warehouse management solutions, labor management solutions, or others that are critical in terms of supply chain were never going to be able to evolve. Those critical mission solutions were never going to be able to evolve to the cloud. We looked into the market because we knew that the warehousing industry, the labor management industry, and the supply chain execution industry was way behind the time that we were going to be facing very shortly, which is this whole evolution in terms of how the consumer behaves, mobility, uh, Internet. And uh, we needed to make sure that we were ready to break the traditional model. And the only way for us to break that traditional model to support critical mission solutions in the cloud was really to build and develop a solution from the ground up in the cloud. So we took that model, always thinking that we wanted to put first our customers and we wanted to make sure that all the different ways that the traditional WMS systems were supporting the customers, they needed to awake, right? We needed to break those vicious cycles of upgrades. We needed to reduce the total cost of ownership. We needed to reduce the implementations. We needed to make the whole upgrade process being easier to the consumer. And to the to the customer, we needed to make sure that the customer was not going to be facing a lot of headaches in terms of implementing the solution, maintaining the solution. So anyway, we we took an a, a approach that we thought from the, from day one that cloud was the only path for us. To really find and change our industry, we were not going to give away the functionality part because of the technology. So, so a lot of people thought at that time that going cloud required to have a system that was less rich in terms of functionality, that could not uh, handle complex scenarios, that could not handle automation, that could not handle scalability and multiple sites around the world. So. So we never gave up on any of that. We never gave up on the quality. We never gave up in terms of the functionality. We never gave up on anything that was going to affect the experience of the of, of the user. So we, we really put a lot of thought in developing their solution, selecting the right technology stack, and also we make the, the right decision in terms of making it in a way that a lot of the tools that we develop for our customers are self, self-servicing self tools so they can use our application always to develop labels and documentations and reporting and being able to configure the solution in a flexible way. And everything that we have built for our customers It's very business oriented in a a way that everything that a customer requires, it's it's very aligned with our roadmap and also uh, we've been able to cover the the customer requirements over the years with very short uh, development cycles, and that's allowing us to fulfill the customer expectations much faster, and also these whole cycles of up- upgrades, uh, we change all that all, all that terminology to just updates, and we're updating customers in a regular basis four times a year, and we're very excited that since we, we launched our application, we've been very successful in maintaining and updating uh, our customers and, and being able to serve all those complex scenarios.
0: So, acquired by Oracle when?
1: We got acquired by Oracle in December 9th of 2016.
0: Okay, and today known as Oracle Warehouse Management Cloud, correct? That's correct. Diego Pantoja Navajas, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us to talk about the plight of the modern-day retailer in the world of the Omni Channel and also a little bit about Oracle Warehouse Management Cloud as well. Thank you very much for being with us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That was my conversation with Diego Pantoja Navajas, talking about survival strategies for traditional retailers in the age of the Omni Channel. Our thanks to Oracle Warehouse Management Cloud for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain.